Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome and welcome back to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today is Dan Steininger, and we are so excited to have him on the show with us. Dan is a respected author, speaker, and advisor who has dedicated his life to nurturing innovation. We're going to talk a lot about innovation today. So as we're starting to jump in and before we really get going, Dan, tell us a little bit about why our listeners should stay tuned for the next 30 minutes. Thanks, Katie. With you two brainiacs interviewing me, I'm a little nervous. So <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> thanks for having me. Add to the listeners. Let me tell you a quick story as to why I think it'd be valuable to listen, uh, to listen to this podcast. In my youth, I used to jump the train and head out to Glacier Park, Montana. And that's the crown jewel of the Rocky Mountains. And as you come across the plains of uh, eastern Montana in a train, and in the morning comes up, you slept overnight. These Rocky Mountains emerge out of the plains and they're spectacular. And you get out on the platform and you're smelling mountain air. And for those who know who John Denver is, this is his kind of country. So after working there for a couple of weeks, um, I got the thinking, if, and I'm reading a book on Lewis and Clark. If you were Lewis and Clark and you saw this mountain range, you're like, oh, shucks, <laughs> this is in the way of the Pacific Ocean. And if they hadn't navigated it, what would happen? The British and the Russians and the Spanish would still control the, uh, the West Coast of America. So with that said, mountains, I always say, are our problems and our, whether they're professional or personal, that we all have. Now, if your listeners have no problems or challenges in their life professionally, they can turn off. <laughs> but for the rest of us mortals, I'm going to give you some, because how do you, how did they get through the mountains? Of course, they turned to a woman, Sacagawea, and, and who gave them, who had grown up in that area and, and gave them the passage through the mountains. Well, the way you navigate problems, challenges is through creativity and innovation. So I'm going to give everybody tips that they can use in their personal life and their professional life. So there, there it is. And that's what, the, that's what we're going to do today. Perfect. So as we're diving in, there's nothing Stan and I love more than knowing, you mentioned earlier, the secret sauce. So talk to us about the secret sauce of personal creativity. How do you do that? What is the solution? What's the answer? I'm happy to share those tips. So let me give it a story. I'm in Arizona right now, and I don't, I'm sure they have rattlesnakes in, in Arkansas, right? I mean, they have some. Oh, yes. yes, we do. So but this spring, I was hiking on the, yeah, on the east side of Arizona. And um, I was ahead of my wife for about 20 hours. We have a three-mile hike. We're coming toward the end of it. And I'm using hiking poles. Rattlesnakes don't have ears, but they must have felt, they must have felt my pole. I heard a rattle and bam, I'm, I'm nailing the back of my leg. Okay, now it feels like a mosquito bite. And he, by the way, he wiggled past me on the trail and I was going to whack him. But the toxicologist said, Dan, be happy you didn't do that because you see these snakes and bite you two and three times and it's happened. Anyhow. While I'm waiting for the ERE, uh, the emergency people come, I started thinking, okay, you got a tragedy, you got a problem, you got a mountain, what do you do? First thing is I realized that, okay, 911 and my wife had the sense, we both agreed. Say, I've had I've had a rattlesnake bite, bring in on that. I don't want me to think to do it, but be prepared. Now we're waiting. And then I thought, okay, how about, in my, I'm a boy scout, I was an Eagle scout, how about sucking out the venom? <laughs> she gave me the look like, 
divorce first. I said, okay, but I'm going to write my funeral oration that I died because you didn't do it. Well, true grit style, John Wayne, she did suck out some of the venom. All right. The, the, the emergency people finally got to me. I, my vitals was able to walk to the helicopter about a quarter mile away. Out comes the captain, introduces himself. Hi, I'm Captain Kirk. I said, you're Captain Kirk. I'm the Easter Bunny. That's the kind of day I'm having. Anyhow, they helicoptered me into Banner Hospital in uh, Phoenix. And I've got, I was visited by the top toxicologist in the state. And she said, I, I wanted to see you because you're unusual. I thought, oh, Lord, what does this mean? She said, no, you had less venom in you than most rattlesnake bite victims. And I told her the story about, you know, true grit style. And she's, well, our longitudinal study don't say that doesn't necessarily work. Well, then how is it that I have less venom? How did the cowboys and the ranchers settle the West? So she finally conceded. Anyhow, the end of the story is that several weeks later, when I could actually walk again, and believe me, you don't want to be bitten by a rattlesnake. It's unbelievable, painful. Your leg blows up. But anyhow, I'm in Sky Harbor Airport. Now, Phoenix has 5 million people. There's a lot of people at the airport. People are coming up to me and saying, how's your rattlesnake bite? I said, what are you talking about? Oh, you were on the evening news because you're the first person who ever had anti-venom out in the field. The reason I tell this story to your listeners, you can get hit with, you're going to get hit with tragedies, problems all your life. Your creative response can help you survive. Now, would I have died? Probably not, but you can lose a leg. Anything can happen. Thinking through what are the creative tips you need to survive are important. So you're going to learn things professionally that you can use, but personally. So there we go. Set the stage. So tip number one, get your note cards out. When you get hit with a problem, professionally or personally, the number one thing you want to do is understand the problem. Now, we Americans have a tendency, and a friend of mine wrote a book, a great entrepreneur, it's called Shoot, Ready, Aim. We want to go right to solution rather than understand the problem. Now, for all your listeners have kids or grandkids, what do little kids do when they want something? Or they're in part. The first thing they, you tell them an answer, they go, why? And they go, why? And they go, why? Five why. So when you get hit with a problem, I don't care what it is, the first thing start asking you at least five times, why? Why did this happen? What are the causes? And so, in fact, begin to start, make a little diagram for yourself. You know, here's the problem. Here's what I think caused it. And start to list those causes. And don't limit yourself to blaming everybody else in the universe. Even look at yourself. And did I contribute somehow? Most of us are all, you know, it's everybody else's fault. And that's important to understand that. I'll give you a story about that one. True story. I always say I'm a recovering lawyer. In youth, I practice law with the law school on the East Coast. Good law school. I was doing some research in, 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 the, in the law library. And there was a case out of San Francisco. True story. It's in the Federal Register where the Japan Airlines would fly into the San Francisco Harbor. And uh, was the captain on that day was Captain Oso, was his name. And the, the San Francisco airport sits right on the bay. Okay. He flew in, landed it a mile short of the runway in the bay. It was such a nice landing that the passengers didn't know they were in the water until they looked out the window and saw sailboats outside their window. Okay. The, the plane was rescued. He was brought before the uh, FAA, did their investigation, asked Captain Ose, put him on the witness stand. You promised to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing about the truth. Captain Ose, yes. Okay, Captain Ose, we'll do our investigation. Six months from now, we'll give you a report, and we'll, we're going to assess blame. Yes. Okay, Captain Ose, how in your judgment this occur? There was a long pause, and right in the text was, how do you Americans say it? Captain Ose, screw up. <laughs> the hearing was done 15 minutes later. Uh, that's true story. So even look at yourself. 
did I contribute to what's happened to my life? I mean, even with a snake bite, it was my hiking pole that, that, you know, got the snake mad. I mean, it is what it is. So the number one is embrace uncertainty. Begin by understanding you've been hit. Don't say, you know, the answer. Step back and say, I don't know the answer. Why this is important, not just personally, but put yourself in professional context at work. Now you're talking about business leaders or organizational leaders. Steve Jobs, the iconic entrepreneur of our last century, you know, he's done everything. When his engineers first proposed an iPhone, Steve Jobs said it is, the, he said this privately and publicly. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. In fact, as he even used swear words about it. He resisted the idea of an, he said, I'll never do phones, period, done. I'm not a phone company. A better part of a year, he said no. Eventually, they wore him down. The iPhone contributes close to 50% of Apple's revenues today. How can a man that brilliant make mistakes like that? Elon Musk is another one. I mean, the man is genius. He's putting rockets up every day. He's got electric cars. But he also bought Twitter and on his own admission publicly has overpaid for Twitter. How can brilliant, if brilliant people like that can make those mistakes, what are we less morals going to do? So my story on telling you that is, let me explain to you, when you get to work and you're in a meeting and you're the leader, you want to solve a problem. Here's your problem. There's a technical time for it, but I call it um, confirmation confidence. We've gotten to where we are. We think we know the answers. We're pretty smart. So we give our answers, right? And that's exactly what they did. You have to bullet, bulletproof yourself from your own success stories and realize the world is changing pretty fast and you may not have the answer. That takes humility. Now, when you turn when you turn to the people on your team in a company, and I run many companies, companies by billions, you turn to the team. In fact, when I was a lawyer converted to a CEO, and at my first meeting with 11 vice presidents, someone asked, okay, you're a new CEO, what's our strategic plan? And I said, What's a strategic plan? <laughs> I was educated as a lawyer. What do you think those 11 vice presidents thought? Whoa, we got a live one, right? <laughs> but you know what happened in the ensuing hours? They realized I was serious. And what do you think they thought? They had to come up with it. Suddenly moved the power and responsibility to the team. So for all the CEOs who know what we think we know the answers or in your leadership thing, embrace uncertainty. And that's important because your team members will then participate more. So there's a tip both for work and, and for a personal life, how not to get yourself in a point where you're not embracing others to look for answers. There's another reason, by the way, as you're trying to navigate your problems as they hit you, we all have habits. You guys have set up your host, you know what you're doing. You got in a car to get to work. You didn't have to relearn how to start the car. I ask your listeners right now, or if you're watching, you know, cross your arms. So everyone crosses their arms. Okay. Now do it the other way. Feel a little uncomfortable? We all have habits. When we have habits, it's hard to break them. And when you're hit with a crisis, a tragedy, or a big problem professionally, you need to think differently. So beware that is I so giving you tips on how to make sure. And lastly, we all have egos. I mean, we all have our own belief systems. Oftentimes, when something happens like this, or a big tragedy or a mountain comes our way, we want to fall back on what we already know. Well, that can be a problem. So I'm going to give you some more tips on how to get beyond your own idea of how things should be solved. So with that, so, oh, I want to say one other thing. FDR, at the height of the 
depression. He's elected the new president. And what was his promise to the American people? Most people don't know that. He said, the only thing we fear is fear itself. Okay, what does that mean? The fact remains is he promised the American people no easy answers. He said, we're going to embark on bold experiments. And that resonated. Here's a leader who's not knowing the answers, but we're going to try together. So, okay, so, so the number one thing that is we understand, take the time, understand what the problem is, how it was caused. And the more you understand it, the better. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're saying, I'm, I'm, I might want to look for a new job. Why? Okay, again, the causes. It might be you're burned out. You maybe want more money. Maybe you're traveling too much. Whatever those things are. The first thing is, once you find out the causes, prioritize the number one cause. If it's just, I've had it with the travel, I want another job, or I'm not on a plane every day, or I think I'm worth more money, prioritize the causes of the problem, and then attack that cause as your number one thing. Prioritize it in order. What's, okay, so what is the number one reason driving this? That's what you, and now once you know that, okay, now let's start with solution. Okay, tip number one is ideation. Now, we all heard of brainstorming. Unfortunately, it's done terribly in America. So I'm going to give everybody some tips, personally and professionally. The first thing to do is to understand that the more ideas you put in play as solutions, the better the results. The Harvard Business School did a study. I went to law school in Boston, um, not at Harvard, Boston University, but I had a lot of friends at the Harvard B School. And I went there to classes a lot of times. And they, they do this thing where you have to, they study, the more ideas you put in play, the better. So if you put 20 ideas in play, you might get three good ones. If you put 100 in play, you're going to get 20 or 30 good ideas. So start putting ideas, put post-its on your refrigerator, start a log, whatever it is, what you think are solutions. And everything goes. We got Google, you can talk to other people, you just, and, and don't try to do it all at once. Come back to it. Come back to it over several days so you can think through what potential solutions you might be. The more, the better. Another thing to do is your thinking and whether you're personally at home in your personal life or in, a, in an organizational meeting at a company, humor is important in a meeting. And then why? So if you go back thousands of years to where I'll run around the plains of Africa, that's where, where we started in the Stone Age when, you know, we would see an enemy coming and we didn't have, we didn't have email. We didn't have text. You couldn't call You would see this person with a spear. Now, are they my enemy or my friends? What is this? So our ancestors developed these, you know, humorous signals to each other. And maybe did a crazy dance. Who knows what they did to signal, I'm a nice person. <laughs> I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to throw my spear at you. Okay. Fast forward to the 21st century. Now, personally in your life or in a meeting, if you play humor, what it does, you're listening to me in your, in the, we have two hemispheres, the analytical side and the creative side. The left hemisphere is where you're listening to me now. Creativity or humor, humor moves you into the right side of your brain. That's the source of creativity. It, and it has a whole bunch of other reasons. It diffuses the political tension in a meeting, if you can use some humor. Good politicians use self, good actors, you use self-deprecating humor. Humor relaxes people. It cuts through class. It cuts through barriers. And if I say in your personal life, you know, play an old Seinfeld episode at night or something to get you and your friends or your significant others laughing. That and, and so that's really important. 
to build humor into your decision-making process because it'll move you into the creative side of your brain. And then the, the other thing is, if you're in a meeting and you're brainstorming ideation, 50% of the American public are introverts. I mean, they don't want to talk up in meetings. Now, all of us have been in meetings. Extroverts tend to dominate, right? So the Harvard Business School does a thing every year where they pretend that students have, and they film this, their plane crashed in Iceland or someplace, and you only had a couple hours to collect everything from that plane you need to survive. And so they film this, and then they put the list together, and then they're debriefing. They notice as they're watching it, one person in that room didn't say a word. Finally, they turned to him and said, look, you didn't say anything during this entire brainstorming session. And he said, yeah, well, I tend to be a little, you know, modest or whatever. I just don't like to speak up. Well, what do you think of our choices? He said, you won't last a day. <laughs> and he said, why? He said, I would grow up in the in the back hills. <laughs> I've learned to survive. You got all the wrong things. So I always say this in meetings. So if you have a corporate meeting, don't wait to that meeting. Send out the problem, whatever you're going to try to solve, and have people do it by email so that the inferts have to share their ideas with everyone before the meeting so they got heard. And they may be more comfortable. So there's another tip. And as you brainstorm, nothing. Now, again, brainstorming is not evaluation. It's just putting ideas in play. Example like this, and I don't care how crazy the idea is. There was a true story about a, a wine company based in Australia, a little wine company. And they wanted to introduce a new wine. They have they, they like. Well, they looked at the market and said, you know, wine, wine is overcrowded, it's Everybody, every, it's expensive. So they went to the beer drinkers and the mixed drinkers. So why don't you drink wine? Well, we don't understand it. We don't even like the taste of it. So they decided to simplify the wine, reduce the cost, and introduce it to the wine market. That wine was called Yellowtail. It became the fastest growing wine in the history of the wine industry. They found what's called the Blue Ocean. So any idea, I don't care how crazy it is, put it in play. Um, and that's for you personally. I mean, you say, okay, I may, I want to leave my job. Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to start my own company? You guys have started your own company. What led you to do that, right? You're both entrepreneurs, right? What got you to do that insane decision? <laughs> and by the way, I always say to all my friends who grow in companies large size that you're all crazy. Entrepreneurs are half crazy because to, to give up a paying job and take the risk of running your own business so congratulations to you. So, so there you go. So that's tip number three on how to brainstorm, how to develop a list of ideas. And now, now what? Now you got all these ideas, all these posts. Now what do I do? Here's what's important. You have to have the criteria in which you're going to judge them. Let's take something simple like you want to buy a new car. Okay, if you know you run to all these dealerships and every car seems great, you know, what should I do? Okay, before you do that trip to the dealers, Put a list together of what are you trying to achieve. Do you want energy efficient car? Is that the most important? Is it? Do you want price? Is the most important? Is um, safety the most important? Or looks? Maybe you want a Lamborghini because you want to show off. Who knows? The point is get your criteria written down and weight each one. Which is the most important? And then what you do is you put car A, car B, car C up at the top. Put all the criteria at the bottom in a list in order of priority. And give a number to each as you see those dealerships. And guess what? It's not scientific. But when you finish that little chart after looking at all those cars and you add the numbers up, 
you're going to see what's your number one and number two choice pretty easily. This not scientific, not ingenious. Now, at work, obviously, you're going to have to do a little more detailed homework. So if it's a simple, I give it a green light. But if it's blue, that means let's study it some more. Red means get rid of it. But point is, once you have the criteria, you have a framework for a decision. That's where most people fall apart personally and in life. Out, you know, so many choices to make. So even if you're going to take a vacation, if you have kids, we got to bring them. Uh, is it cost effective? How much time? Whatever those are. So, all right. So now I'm going to give you another example of why this is important to take the time to evaluate those. We as human beings can make silly mistakes. So early in my career from being a lawyer to a CEO, I attended a, a, um, a meeting of it was a young president's organization, which I was a member. And, and George, a guy named Harvey was, uh, Professor Harvey was from Washington University, Washington, D.C., uh, in giving a speech. Professor Harvey said, this goes a true story. We're on our, I visit my wife who lived in Cole, Texas, which is not far from Abilene, in the Panhandle of Texas. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon. And granddad, we're all sitting around the swamp cooler. Now, I don't think they have those in Arkansas, but maybe they do. It was wet hay with a fan blowing. <laughs> and it was like 95 degrees. It was miserable. And I said, granddad, I said, well, what, where do we go for dinner night? You want to go to Abilene? And grandma started, you know, when Jerry said, I, I, I went to my, I, I looked at my wife and I said, oh, Lordy. And I forgot the turn. She's saying, well, Jerry, I know what you want to do. Um, and grandma starts lacing up. So they all end up going to Abilene and they're in the old Packer and they're going across the Panhandle, Texas, and it's dusty and it's hot and it's miserable. They get there, they have a dinner at a greasy spoon cafe. They come, then they back across the dusty plains of the Panhandle, Texas, till they get to the front porch around 830 at night. They were so miserable. No one could say anything for like an hour. Finally, someone said, whose idea was it to go to Abilene? And someone said, well, granddad, it was yours. He said, I didn't want to go to Abilene. I just threw out ideas. And Jerry turned to his wife. Well, I know you are. No, honey, I thought you wanted to go. At which point, grandma started crying. <laughs> now, my point is telling this story. And this is very important. Going back to the Watergate proceedings at the, after the break-in of the Democratic headquarters prior to Nixon's election, or post-election, they asked the number one conspirator in that whole thing, at any point to the break-in, did you ever think this might be a stupid idea? And uh, Colson was his name, Chuck Colson. He said, no, no one asked that question. If they had, what would have happened? We wouldn't have done it. So if you're looking at things to do and the whole gang wants to do it, step back and ask, what's wrong with my idea? What, what could go wrong here? The White House or the military frequently appoints a, a, what they call a murder team, where it's a team assigned to find what's wrong with this idea. And in your professional life, you can, I would say, assign a small team to look at whatever you're going to do and try to murder it before you go public. So there's another little tip that you can use. So those are all things that would work. And by the way, in one of my one of my several leadership hats, I was chair of the Port of Milwaukee. Now, people don't know it in Arkansas, but it's an international park port that goes out through the Great Lakes, and we ship to the world markets. At one point, it's closed because the Great Lakes in northern freeze, and the St. Lawrence Seaway is frozen. Guess what? We petitioned the, the uh, Maritime Administration in Washington to allow us to barge down the Great Lakes to Chicago. I mean, we were based in Milwaukee. In Chicago, you could go down the Chicago River to the Mississippi, so we could year-round shipping. 
I mean, who would have thought something like that was possible? Same with uh, my, the port director came to me with market studies that you could do a high-speed ferry across Lake Michigan from Milwaukee to where to get to Detroit across Lake Michigan, not have to go through Chicago and everything else. And we ultimately raised the venture capital. The ship was built in Alabama because we had to be built in the United States. So I don't use Arkansas, but you don't have a ship built so Alabama shipyard built it, and that became a very successful high-speed ferry. You can drive your car on and go to Michigan in no time. So those are crazy ideas that came up that do work. So anyhow, that's for your your now. A couple tips for all of your audience members who say, "Okay, I want to be more creative." Getting back to your point, Katie, what can we do post this interview? Aside from the little, you know, the kind of tools I've told you to use. I would recommend that every one of your listeners start doing this on a daily basis. And if you do this, I promise you, I promise you, you will automatically, your friends will start to say, boy, Stan and Katie are the most creative people I've ever seen. Okay, number one, be curious. Now, they all say curiosity killed the cat. But the fact is, that's not the true quote. The real quote is the, the cat survived. Curiosity. I don't care if you're going to take a trip, Google where you're going, what's the good, the bad, the bad curiosity, take a different way to work. Always be curious about what goes on in life. Try things different. Every day, do something different, something that you're not used to. And the curious people do that automatically. If you see something on the news you don't understand, Google and find out what's going on. Another important tip, and boy, this is going to be weird for your listeners, but solitude is really important. Now, we live in a world where we're being bombarded by cell phones, texts, you know, advertisement, it just comes 24-7. What does solitude do for you? Well, up here in our brain, we have um, a, you know, it's called the executive functions. There's all sorts of technical names, hippocampus and all that. The fact remains that that it, right here in the front of our brain, we're taking in all those messages every day. And that executive brain is fathoming right through it, shuffling through them all day long. What should we hear? What should we listen to? Until that turns off, your creative brain can't work. So did you ever wake up in the morning and you have a new idea, right? And I ask people, when ideas come to you? Well, in the shower or when I'm driving to work. Steve Jobs was famous for ideas coming to when he was walking. Uh, I get them when I, I'm a swimmer. And I, you know, the problem is when I get to the end of the lane, I would write ideas down that came to me. Well, unfortunately, I was using ink. So I'd go back to the office and I'd say to my administrators, look, what is in? These are great ideas, but he couldn't read them. Well, I finally ordered something that's pencil that doesn't blur. So, so build solitude. Turn the cell phone off. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if you meditate. I don't care if you go for walks, showers, whatever. Build solitude into your to your daily life because that's an opportunity for to turn this brain off, the executive brain, and let your creative side. And it'll happen to you. That's why you come up with ideas when you're sleeping at night. You have weird dreams. Because your executive function is turned off, so your creative side goes nuts, and it does come up with some weird, strange ideas. Another thing to think about, again, I've talked about humor. Build it into your perlations. Humor is great. In your personal life, use it. You don't have to be a great joke teller. You can just play YouTube clips, right? I mean, there's ways of building humor into your daily life. And, and my, another and exercise that everyone knows, but what people don't understand about exercise, it's not just for your body. When you exercise... I just go for walks. It shoots new blood up into your brain and your brain needs that blood. So that helps. And the last thing I'll say, and this is important, emotions affect all of our thinking. 
I mean, if you've been hit by a rattlesnake, I was I was a peace, young Peace Corps volunteer. I had malaria out in the middle of the African bush country. And those are panicky <laughs> moments. You know, you're like, oh, good Lord, what's going to happen? Or you get fired or someone you love leaves you. Your emotions are high. But the problem with emotions is they can prevent you from making great decisions. We've all heard of emotional intelligence. Think of the word emotional intelligence together. Emotions are when I, I'm out of control. So you heard about a drive-by shooting. You know, someone got cut off, they put a gun and shoot the other person. Those emotions of anger or love can really get us into trouble. So my advice to us, all of us in your personal life, measure your responses. Look at your own emotions. Okay, this person cut me off. They did something personal. What's an appropriate response? Whether it's love or anger, what are all the emotions we go through? Take your time to figure out what's the best response. And that's called emotional intelligence. It reduces your the time that you make stupid mistakes. So and and that can hurt you. So measured responses. So so there we go. I've given you some tips that you could implement in their personal life and things they can do at work. And I promise you, if oh, last thing for all of you want to be leaders. And this is the last thing I say. This I love this. Having been in leadership roles all the time. People in leadership roles are expected to know answers, right? If the president of the United States gets up and says, I don't know the answer, like, oh, we got a live one. Okay. How do great leaders really lead without looking like they're idiots? Well, it's called confident humility. They communicate to the people they work with, look, we're going to get this solved. But I'm humble enough to say, I don't know the answers. So you're showing energy for what you want to solve, but you recognize you and uh, I don't know all the answers. I need you to get this solved. That's great organizations. Those are the kind of organizations, unless you're Elon Musk or Steve Bob, you're brilliant, that are successful. So with that one, there, I've worn myself out. I need a nap. So, <laughs> No, that's all great. I had a whole list of questions for you, and you've answered them all for me. So that's great news. These are some really incredible tips. I have a whole list of notes. I love just a lot of what you said about um, all of these tips. And I like that they're ones that we can apply as professionals to our professional lives and the fact that we can apply them to our personal lives as well. So I I do. I, I love that. Be curious. Solitude. Exercise is definitely one we've been trying to implement more in our personal lives. And it really is making um, such a huge difference. And um, as you may know from meeting us before the podcast got started, humor is one thing Stan and I both have in common as well. So all really great tips, Dan. Stan, did you have any other questions for Dan? Yes, I do. Before we let Dan go, I've got to find out. You, you talk about the older brain and that's really relevant to me today. I had a birthday yesterday. And uh, and so whenever I, I see that you, I've never seen that word before, the older brain. What? Tell me about that. And, and I think for all your listeners, this is the most incredible scientific breakthrough in a generation. It doesn't give enough attention. We always thought we're born with 5 billion neurons in our brain. We lose them over a lifetime and we die, right? But, you know, you can't grow a new finger. But since neuroscientists have been studying the brain through PET scans and MRIs, which we never had before, they have found that we can grow new brain cells in our brain. This is revolutionary that we can actually create more new neurons in our brain. And that's important because it helps run off dementia, war off dementia, or Alzheimer's. So how do you do that? Well, you it's just like exercise. You have to challenge your brain. So you two are growing no brain cells every single day that you interview a new guest 
your guests who are listening are growing new brain cells because you're making yourself think creatively. And and by the way, so some 22-year-old may be able to remember names better than you do, Stan, or Katie, right? Guess what? What you have at your age is called crystallized intelligence. It's the lifetime of making mistakes or learning by you go. You have more wisdom. I will trust your judgment over a 22-year-old on any day of the week. So there and and so knowing that we can actually grow new brain cells, we have crystallized intelligence because of our been around for all. It's really important that so that this isn't, uh, you know, where the liver, Americans are living longer, they're healthier, and, and they can use their brains that they, in a way they've never thought of before. So there you go. So well, there's Dan. Yep, you're, you're making my week. <laughs> you're making my week. This is true. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, your brain is going to just explode. You've got so much. And yeah, just the right podcasts you do, guys, are just adding to your brain cells. And, and how great. You got more neurons than you ever should have had at this point in your life. So it's well, we, we love getting to meet and interview new people and hear the wisdom from other people as well. So I feel like we're right on track with everything you've been saying about that. Dan, is there anything else you want our listeners to know before we close out the show? Yes, thanks. You can. One thing that I like helping people on a point in my life, I reach out to help others. You can go to my LinkedIn profile, at my LinkedIn uh, Dan Steininger and click on me and subscribe to my newsletter. Get a couple times creative tips that you can put in your life comes out maybe twice a month. So you get it free, doesn't cost you anything. And you can, and more, or my website, but preferably LinkedIn, if you want to communicate with me through LinkedIn, if you got a problem or a challenge, and if you don't consider yourself lucky and go to a bar and celebrate, but if you do, drop me a note. I'm happy to give a, some of my time to just listen to you through, it won't cost you anything, and, and maybe hopefully point you in the right direction. So those are a couple tips to your listeners. If you want to follow up and at, at no cost yourself because I, I believe in this stuff. I mean, it saved my life five times. I've, I've met the Green Grim Reaper and, and survived it, run organizations. So I share with you tips that work for me and could be helpful to you. But I'm not interested in giving you answers, helping you give ideas and suggestions for you to follow. So I love that. Well, for our listeners, this has been the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. And our guest today was Dan Steininger. And for Dan, you can connect with him through LinkedIn. We will link that in the show notes for you. And you can also visit his website, dansteininger.com. Also, be sure to check out his book, Conquering Your Mountains, Solving Problems Through Innovative Leadership. And Dan, thank you again for all of the helpful tips today. I hope all of our listeners have left left with a list of tips so they know how to go and get started. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Dan. Thanks, folks. And keep helping people grow new brain cells. That should be the new tagline. We help you grow new brain cells by listening to our podcast. I think it's a hit. I think it's a hit. We'll have to change our tagline on our show. All right. Here we go. Take care. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.